A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Support WrestleTalk! Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. This is Rich Swan, Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever Wrestle Talk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, both the Ravens. Nevermore. Wrestle Talk. Hello and welcome to the WrestleTalk podcast. I am Luke Owen and this week I'm joined by Denise Salcedo. Hey Denise. What's up? I'm glad to be here. I'm very excited about it. Yes, it's been very, very nice having you on the show. Thank you so much. Uh, Nice and early for you uh, start today, I believe. Yeah, I woke up like at 6am to get ready and you know, I was ready to go i was even a little too early I, I misunderstood the timing and i was ready a half hour before lights on and everything <laughs> uh right well let's dive into the main portion of this show talking about Kyrie sane's contract update with wwe and we have got your mailbag questions here is the show Joined by special guest, Denise Salcedo. How are you? I'm doing really well. I love how you say my name with such enthusiasm. I was like, yes, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, for our good viewers who might not be aware of uh, you, if they didn't watch the excellent episode of Quizlemania uh, this week, why don't you tell the fine folks who uh, Denise is? Yeah. Okay. So a little bit about me. I do several things. So first of all, I run my own YouTube channel called Instinct Culture by Denise Salcedo. And on there, I cover both pop culture and pro wrestling, which can sort of be a little confusing at times. But for the most part, I found a way to make it work. And I have like over 100 interviews up there with some of the biggest stars that you can think of from WWE, Ring of Honor, TNA, Impact, you name it, they're all there. Um, And then I also used to host alongside Sean Waltman on X-Pac 12360, so a lot of people kind of started getting to know me there. And then most recently, I work with uh, on Fightful with Sean Ross Sapp, and I do the post-Raw show, so that's where a lot of new people know me as well. So kind of a little bit of everywhere. If I remember right, you were part of that the Hell in a Cell watch along party. Yes, right? I was. You were there when Sean Waltman started freaking out about the finish. <laughs> when he snapped, he full on snapped, and I was like, uh oh. I just looked, and it was kind of one of those things where I know it sounds 
first of all, you got to understand, like, I was completely nervous. Like, this was my first time going backstage at WWE. Uh, I didn't really know what to expect. You know, you want to make a really good impression. So I was really nervous. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to go and do what I do best, blah, blah, blah. So we're doing the watch along. And at some point, I don't know where, but you kind of just forget. Like, you're just watching wrestling. That's all it is. And the next thing you know, this finish happens. And I have, like, this like this look on my face that my fiance screenshotted to me and sent me my face was like <laughs> it was like a horrible reaction and I was like did I seriously make that face he's like yeah you did and I was like like a bunch of curse words floating in my head but I was didn't realize it because at that moment Sean sort of took over and had like this big reaction it was so funny and I just looked at what I was like I don't know what to do <laughs> <laughs> so I was like whatever you know what it is what it is yeah but still, a very fun show. Yeah, it was. It was a really great experience. I'm very, very thankful for that opportunity. Uh, right, so we're uh, going to be talking today about Carrie Sane uh, and WWE. So uh, last year, it came out that Carrie Sane's contract with WWE was going to be uh, coming up this year in 2020. This was like this was her, the final year of her contract after she signed joining the May Young Classic. And around that same time, stardom were i mean they weren't exactly subtle about it they basically said yeah we really want to bring Kari sane and Io shirai back into our fold we want to bring them back to japan and Meltzer reported that sane was essentially considering it and was you know looking to go back to stardom and you know go back and live out there she, you know, her family is over there her, her fiance or her husband is over there i can't remember if they're, they're married or not um and go back to japan and then you kind of get into the WWE run that she has had uh, on the main roster. I think she did some great stuff in NXT, but the main roster stuff, she got thrown into a tag team with Asuka that I never thought she was particularly into. The The heel run they had with the tag belts was good, but then she had the concussion with the, in the Charlotte Flair match, then there was the buckle bomb incident with Nia Jax, then the ring step incident with Nia Jax, and we haven't seen her on TV for ages. And the latest report we've got is from your good friend, Captain Dickhead, Sean Rossap, uh, who said the carry scene with WWE was pretty complicated as of last month. She hasn't been seen on TV since sustaining a cut to the head during a match with Nia Jax. Many have been asking about Sane's contract status. That we haven't heard, but as of May, there were plans for her to return to Japan and serve as an ambassador for WWE there. We haven't been provided with any details as to how that would have affected her in-ring career with the company. We did ask if this word role was to involve the long-rumored expansion into Japan for WWE and NXT, and were told that there is no expansion at the moment due to the COVID situation. We were not informed as to whether or not the original plans for Sane were to go uh, far enough to discuss that. In the weeks that have followed, many have gone radio silent about Sane's status with the company. Many want her to continue wrestling, and all those we've spoken to have positive things to say about her. To be clear, we are unsure of how the situation has developed over the past month. So, yeah, I, I think it's, I mean, sending someone over to be an ambassador for the company kind of feels that they were almost done with her in-ring career. So, like, what did, what is your feelings on, on Kairi Sane and, and her WWE run? All right, so I'm going to kind of start off from the beginning in terms of Kairi Sane came in with so much hype. I know a lot of people that, you know, A, if they weren't familiar with her work, they were hearing other fans basically like, oh, you got to know Kairi Sane, you're going to love her, blah, blah, blah. So you had this very good uh, positivity around her. And then she comes into NXT. And one of my most vivid memories uh, for me personally was when I went to NXT Riverside. And, you know, I was there live in the audience. And I just 
just remember out of every single, like obviously we already knew Kyrie Sane was popular and all of that, but there's a difference between knowing it from what you watch on TV to knowing it when you're actually there. And so I remember with, when Kyrie Sane came out, the pop that she got there, I was out of everybody, out of all the men, out of all the women, it was just like people lost it for Kyrie Sane. And I just remember thinking, oh man, like, you know, Kyrie Sane has been so consistently good on the NXT roster. Uh, and, and obviously the fans are reacting to that and they're respecting that and they're enjoying her work. And the thing about her is that, yeah, she's good in ring wise. I don't even need to tell you that, but in terms of who she is personality wise, there's something about her that just gravitates you towards her. Like it doesn't matter who you are or what type of person you tend to gravitate towards in the ring. She just kind of pulls you in. She just has that instant, uh, uh, just that instant connectability with the audience. So that was one of the major things that I noticed specifically when I was there. And I remember thinking like, oh, she is going to be like an even huge star when she moves up to the main roster. Because at this point, I don't think that it, I don't, I don't remember at this point, NXT was already on, on the air. But the point is that I was remembering that they were obviously still not seen as the same level as, as Raw and SmackDown. So obviously the point was for Kyrie Singh to move up at this point. And then when she actually did, and I thought, oh my God, this is going to be great. And when she actually got paired with Asuka, I didn't necessarily see it as a bad thing. And I remember that when they were paired up and they were brought in as heels, I remember everybody being really, really upset about that. And I was like, why are people mad about this? Like, you know, the internet, there's always going to be people that they, they're they for it. And there's some people that are not for it. People thought because Kyrie and Asuka were so genuinely likable that they should automatically be baby faces. But the thing that I thought it was the right call to make them heels because the heel work that they were doing was so so good because it was kind of different. It was that heel that you love, uh, that you love to see do, you know, all of these shenanigans in and outside of the ring. So I actually thought their parents were really good. I thought they worked really well off of each other. Um, and then most recently with everything that happened with her in the ring with Nia Jax, et cetera, it just didn't really feel like that was the trajectory that we had in mind for Kyrie Sane. I mean, she was essentially, yeah, they were doing good stuff in the tag team, but then at a certain point when Asuka got more into the main title picture, she sort of became a shadow. And it was kind of like, okay, like these are two women that more than they really deserve to be a, a feature focus here, but it kind of seems like one is taking a, you know, a step back. And I was defending it before as, okay, it's just not her moment yet. You know, it's just not her moment and that is not her time yet. But then it just kept getting worse. And I remember just keep seeing her versus Nia Jax every week. I think it was like several weeks where it was that's what we were seeing. And it was like, why? Why Kyrie Sane? And why in this match? And why in this way? Like, there is a way to make, uh, you know, both women or both competitors look good in the ring. And it just wasn't happening there. Yeah, it, I really feel that, I mean, when we had Alex on the show last week, a, a term that we used a lot was WWE really dropped the ball with that. And I feel that that is Kyrie Sane all over. Like, as you said, like, I mean, I, I first saw her, someone sent me um, some of her stuff in stardom um, when it was rumored that she might be coming over for the Mae Young Classic. And I was like, man, this is great. Like, as soon as she came out with, like, the pirate wheel and everything, and I was like, and the yeah. big hat, I was like, this is great. Like, this is such a fun character. And I was thrilled when she was still doing that at the Mae Young Classic. I'm like, this is, this is brilliant. Great run in NXT as well as the Pirate Princess and everything. And I love the Sky Pirate scene that she did with Io Shirai. 
100% that I think the plan in there was that EO was going to turn heel on her as opposed to Candice. Uh, and they were going to do it sort of an EO Kyrie program, which I think would have been excellent. Which is why I, I was like one of those people that was disappointed about her going up to the main roster in the tag team. Because I was like, she's so good in that singles role. And Asuka's so good in that singles role that I wanted to see them get that big push. When Asuka got her big singles push off the back of it, I thought, well, yeah, like you. Surely now's the time for Kyrie to get the big singles push too. But she just sort of fell into obscurity. She just became Asuka's second and there to be beaten to build up whoever Asuka is facing, which I thought was kind of sucked. And when the reports came out that she might be looking to move on, I got to be honest, I did think like, good, I guess, because I think her going back to stardom might be the best thing for her. Yeah. And you know, here's the thing though, is that in this sense, I know we're just talking about Kyrie Sane, but I'm sort of looking at the big picture. And the big picture is right now that there are a lot of incredibly talented women on that roster. Things have def definitely shifted from where women were seen before and where they are now. And obviously that's not breaking news. That's not a big surprise. But the thing is that I see so much potential in so many of those women on the roster. And I know that we've been talking about people like uh, Bianca Belair. You know, we're just starting to get our moments with Io Shirai. And there's so many others. And, you know, yesterday when I was watching NXT, that was one of the things where I was thinking like, you know, it really just depends. Like if you get this lucky moment to really push forth and become you know somebody like becky lynch in the company and you know we even just talked if you were to step aside and talk about becky lynch's route like even the things that she went through where she wasn't seen as you know she wasn't seen as a main eventer even when she was in the main event etc and so it just there are so many obstacles to getting to the top especially as a woman and i know this happens to the men too but right now we're just focusing on, i'm just <laughs> focusing on the women right now um so obviously there's so many obstacles and so many different things that could go wrong to get to the top. But the point is here that it it sucks that it doesn't matter at this point if you have all the potential in the world. You need to have those moments to really get you to there because there's no doubt in my mind, I'm sure there's no doubt in your mind and a lot of people watching here, that Kyrie Singh could have easily been in that spot that Asuka is in right now or even higher if, you know, written differently or whatever. Uh, so, but that's the thing though, is that so many women, I think down the line, we're going to be having this conversation because at the end of the day, there's only so many spots available for both men women etc to be at the very top yeah and looking at sean's report that she was going to be sent over to be the ambassador for japan you know which they also had that role pegged out for akira tozawa as well that which is you know to part of the big nxt expansion the global localization as a uh, triple h used to call it so i think he probably still does call it and the NXT Japan really hit a lot of brick walls because they tried to buy various companies that just didn't work. And I I really don't think that NXT Japan was ever going to get off the ground, even with Sane out there as an ambassador. But for me, putting her out there as an ambassador is kind of everything you need to know about what WWE think of her her in-ring career with that company. So again, if I'm Kyrie Sane and I'm looking at my contract coming up, I'm thinking, yeah, maybe not. I mean, I'm not going to certainly say go to AEW, but or Impact or anything like that. I'm thinking, yeah, you go back to go back to Stardom and do some work there. Particularly now that they're working with, you know, Bushi Road have got them and they've got New Japan. New Japan put on the the women's match at Wrestle Kingdom this year. So, I think there's a lot more mileage going back to Stardom than there is being an ambassador for a company. 
right? And when you think about it, like, what does a being a bass ambassador even entail? Like, <laughs> what exactly does that even mean? I mean, I think that there's so many different people that can have so many different perceptions of that. And I'm thinking about it. If let's just say she was unhappy, I'm not saying that this was, you know, fact i'm just gonna say hypothetically if this is a reason why she's unhappy if you put yourself in her shoes like hey i'm you know a female wrestler and i go in i don't want to necessarily just come off and be you know an ambassador someplace like i think i would more you know i would go in with the intentions of being the very best of being a charlotte flair of being a becky lynch right. you know uh being the next tristratus or lita or Paige or aj lee those would be my intentions and so i think that I mean obviously that's not the reason but I'm assuming like if I were in that position that would be my train of thought uh in terms of like the expansion it's pretty interesting though because I remember when I did talk to Triple H about it uh when I covered WWE FYC he did talk about the fact that they were obviously looking to expand in multiple countries etc and I think that to be honest like it's cool but I do like the idea of I wouldn't say I'm necessarily crazy about the idea just because I like um, I prefer the incorporation of different styles all in one place to sort of enhance that one individual uh, sector, I guess you can say. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was just having a quick Google then because I wasn't sure myself, but Carrie Sane's only 31. Like that's still like so young. Like she has got many, many years ahead of her to put out some amazing work and like, Crikey, like that, her diving elbow is just, it's something to behold. Um, yeah, so I mean, so the, the big update, I suppose, is we don't really know where, where Kyrie is with WWE. She just hasn't been on TV for ages. She's not mentioned on TV either. The Kabuki Warriors feels like it's a done thing now. Like they don't feel like they're a team anymore. Asuka's very much off doing her own thing, which is a shame because I really would have liked to have seen an Asuka Kyrie program over the top right. title. I would have been really, really good. Like similar to what they're doing with uh with Becky and Bailey. Like I think eventually Sasha down and the line. Yeah, yeah, sorry, what did I say? I don't even know what I said. Uh yeah, Sasha and Bailey. Um, Sasha and Bailey. So similar to what they're doing with them, I thought would have definitely worked, uh, would have definitely worked with them down the line. And it's funny too because even even with Asuka, I mean, for a while, you know, she was there, she had her streak, etc. And then she loses it. And, you know, Charlotte Flair sort of has her rising moment. And everybody was kind of, I think everybody was so set on Asuka having her moment during that point. And then that also fell through. And then who knows how different things would have been had Becky Lynch stayed with the company and, you know, not had to have left. Um, but I know that's my general consensus in terms of like, we still need Asuka to solidify herself as the champion because still right now it's really just seen as she was handed the title. And obviously she earned it, but I think we still need to have more, uh, more something more concrete, something concrete to actually really have the fans be like, you know what? Screw it. Yeah, she got the title because Becky Lynch left, but she's killing it. Yeah. Well, let's dive into our Patreon mailbag. Um, we're not going to be covering the AEW NXT ratings wall, though I'm very interested in it this week because we're recording this on a Thursday before the ratings have come out. Um, before we get into the Patreon mailbag, um, you said you watched uh, the NXT show. What did you think of it? Yeah, so I was I watched the NXT show 
I'm sorry, I watched the NXT show yesterday and then I watched AEW today in the morning. So, um, okay, so first of all, just like some quick thoughts. I'm pulling up the lineup here. Um, so my quick thoughts were I love the opening match. I thought it was I thought it was pretty cool. I wasn't expecting Candice LeRae to get eliminated really fast. I don't even know if I was expecting Tegan Knox to actually win, but I'm really happy for her because like I mentioned, so many women that have such great potential. And I think Tegan Knox is getting an opportunity of a lifetime here uh obviously i don't think she's going to be winning but still it's an opportunity and it's a program for for eo to sort of work with in the meantime and so i think that's great um i love the strap match i thought that i thought that dexter loomis is his character is really really coming to life and really just sort of getting put together and i think he's killing it where like he comes out and the effect is there immediately i'm uh, creeped out by him i'm intrigued by him it's like this really big complication but the point is he's got my attention and i just thought that the strap match was pretty aggressive uh i thought that it was a Given the time frame, I thought it was really good. Uh, in terms of Io Shirai and Sasha Banks, I thought that the match had a lot of pressure riding on it. I won't say it was like the greatest match I've ever seen or anything like that, but I thought that going in with the amount of pressure that they did really, really good. I thought overall it was a good, uh, solid uh, match. Uh, not my favorite. I wouldn't say it was my favorite, but they had a lot of really good moments in there. Uh, Oni Lorcan, Timothy Thatcher, I thought was really good. I thought it was a really aggressive match and it kept me, it kept me interested throughout the entire thing. So overall, I thought that from top to bottom, they had a lot of really good matches that were very different from one another. Uh, they brought something different each match to the table. And then uh, AEW, I watched this morning, and I remember like right off the bat, like yesterday on Twitter, the first thing I was seeing was MJF talking about the ratings war, and I was like, oh man, like this one thing is already being picked up like so much more. And I think that AEW had a lot more in the sense of. Uh, character and storylines to sort of stuff but and i think in that sense they excelled but i think in terms of the wrestling i think uh nxt stole it for this one but there was also a lot of really good moments i thought the women's match uh, with penelope ford and uh hikaru shido was uh really good i thought that one was uh i thought that they went out there and they really really gave it all they had uh the tag team match the the tag team match I thought could have been a little bit better. The main event I thought could have been a little bit better. And uh, I thought the Cody match could have been a little better. So I think overall, one show dominated in terms of I really liked the storylines that they've had. But I think NXT sort of dominated in terms of the wrestling. Yeah, I mean, Ollie and I said the same thing about the, the tag match. I think we might have put quite lofty expectations on it, given that it was Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, Chucky C, and Fred Barretta. But like, I, I think the match needed another five, ten minutes um before it kicked into that final gear i felt like it was just about to get into its final gear I and then just sort of abruptly came to an end god i felt the same way with uh santana and ortiz and private party i was also expecting like a lot more and i'm saying this because santana and ortiz uh when they you know lax and when they were in impact were my favorite tag team across the oh, board god. 100%. Like, I remember, like, arguing, like, they are better than the Young Bucks. And I remember <laughs> that. I probably will again. But at that, but what I'm saying is that I have a lot of expectations for their matches. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Do you like quizzes? Do you like wrestling? Do you like watching self-professed experts in their fields being exposed as dangerous frauds? Then you'll love Quizzle Mania, brought to you by Parts Fun Known, the team behind acclaimed wrestling RPG No Rolls Barred. Join us every week as four wrestling pundits pit their knowledge against each other in a cerebral wrangle for prizes, glory, and a bit of good old-fashioned escapism. Enjoy the videos live every Wednesday on Parts Fun Known's YouTube channel, or subscribe right now to have them beam straight to your mobile device. Quizzlemania, it's the showcase of the Amorons. Uh, right, well, let's dive into the Patreon mailbag. If you'd like to submit a question to the mailbag, all you've got to do is become one of our awesome pledge hammers on Patreon at any dollar amount. Leave a comment in the community section. Do not email me. I will just lose it. Uh, so Alex Kirkman is first up, who says, 
What's the single best commentary performance in a match? Mine is either Bobby Heenan for Flair's 1992 Rumble win or Michael Cole for Mankind's title win in Raw on Raw in 99. Uh, Michael Cole has his critics and deservedly so, but that performance is outstanding and takes the match up a star for me. It's interesting you say that as well because I remember Foley saying that he wishes that it wasn't Cole doing commentary that night. Like it was like nothing against Michael Cole. I just really wish it was JR. And I kind of, I, I kind of get what Foley, Foley's saying about that. But yeah, I mean, Heenan's 1992 Rumble performance is so, so great. I don't think I have a specific one in terms of I just have like specific people that I just genuinely love their work. I mean, without going to say, obviously, you know, the most popular would be Marwanalo. Like we already know that he's, you know, he's excelsior what he does all right we already know that but there's actually uh i think that uh that don Callis and uh josh matthews are actually my favorite pairing uh out of a lot of like recent announcers i think that there have been so many matches that i have watched that i thought their commentary really really elevated the matches because um and this was more like, I think, more in terms of the pay-per-views for Impact because I thought that they brought everything that I needed in a match. Like, they brought the analysis, but they also brought a background to it where I actually felt that as a viewer, I was being entertained and I was also being, uh, I was also learning more. Uh, do you know what? Don Callis is such a good shout because, like, the work he was doing over in New Japan as well with Kevin Kelly was really really good like his performance at um uh, uh dominion 2018 in the kenny omega ricarda main event and the jericho stuff as well he's very good at commentating jericho matches because he's got all the history with jericho yeah don Callis, man really really good underrated yeah. marcus campbell uh says hello rest talk with everything going on particularly with the hashtag speaking out movement i thank you for trying to focus on the positives wrestling can bring with Dilo brown leaving an aces and eights jacket on his chair talking to someone i've got two questions who do you think he was talking to and do you think aces and eights are going to return uh in full or will it be a mini reunion i don't know for this one i don't know if i have an answer for this one at all I, yeah, I mean, I think they, they probably are going to be bringing back Aces and Eights. And I think as well with Gallows and Anderson heading there, there Gallows, go, there Gallows former Aces and Eights member, I think we can probably slightly see that. Whether it's a full reunion, I think they could do a full, whether they do like full reunion, I don't think they're going to get Bully Ray and, and Anderson and, and everyone like that. But I could certainly think them pushing them as a, a, a big faction again, I can 100% see. Um, Pratik uh, says, uh, my question is basically this. Will WWE ultimately start collapsing? On the one hand, there are terrible business practices vis-a-vis -vis Saudi Arabia, supposedly misleading shareholders, mass releases, the whole independent contractor absurdity, etc. And on the other hand, declining creative lack of uh, ability or will to create new stars, erratic booking decisions and falling ratings. WWE's whole behavior and negligence during COVID has also caused major health risks for staff testing positive when they should not have. Um, WWE is profitable right now, but how long can this continue? I think the exploitation and mistreatment of performance, bad practices, uh, and the company's own absurdities will come back to bite them sooner or later. What do you think? Honestly, they've survived this long. Like I, uh, and they've, they've survived through some major, major stuff. I, I, I think they're going to outlive us all. I Okay, here's the thing is that I don't think people realize, or maybe some might realize that, 
how big the company is, how many people they have working there, how many like creative, smart people they have working on so many little things. I mean, there's somebody for everything. And so with just like looking at the scope of how large it is, I don't see that happening. I think there's too many people invested to many people that care and i know people always say like oh vince vince is driving the product down blah 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 but the thing is that i don't think he's doing that purposely like i think he's doing what he genuinely feels is best for business and so because of that i don't see that happening and i think that i think that a lot of times people want to focus on the negativity and yeah but here's the thing, there's negativity everywhere in every single company, in every single walk of life. And just because we're not seeing the full, you know, dirty laundry being aired out for everybody does not mean that it's not there. And I just think that all eyes are on WWE and obviously they get judged a lot harder than other companies may. So because of that, I just don't see it happening at all. Like, I just feel like it's too powerful, too, too big, too grand. Yeah. There are bigger companies that have done worse things that are still around today. Like there are, yeah, <laughs> I, I think they'll be, yeah, I think they're going to outlive us all, all of us. Um, Nicholas says, um, with the ongoing global pandemic, the rampant and horrific mistreatment of both female and minority groups and ongoing deals about uh, morally corrupt nations of people and groups, my love of professional wrestling is waning to the nth degree. I believe that if AEW was forced to close its doors during the pandemic, I'm done. Wrestling has consumed my life for the entirety for the last 15 years. I've watched every Raw, SmackDown, ECW, NXT, AEW, NJPW, ROH, TNA, Progress, PWG shows. I get my hands on. Listen to wrestling podcasts in every possible form. My question is, if I cut all of this out of my life, I don't know what I'm going to do with all this free time. I decide I can no longer handle pro wrestling laying on the old mental health. What should I replace it with? I needed escape, but this isn't that anymore. I have no answer for that because I am in the boat of like wrestling consumes at least maybe 70% of my life. So, and I think I'm being generous, honestly. So I don't know because if I were in a situation like that, I don't really know exactly what I would turn to just because I look to be honest. And I'm sure you can probably relate to this is when you're a fan of something, and you've been a fan of something for so long, it's already a part of you. Even if you're not paying attention to it, you still know what's going on because subconsciously, even if you don't even realize it, you're still following the news. You're still reading about it. You're still bound to click when you see a familiar wrestler's name trending on Twitter. You're still going to click on that. I remember when I was back in college and I was getting super busy and I took like some time away from like really like focusing on wrestling. And I just remember that it was me supposed supposedly not focusing yet I was still going to all the shows watching all the pay-per-views I knew everything that was happening to major storylines and that was me not paying attention but that's because when you grow up a fan it's just what it is yeah it's hard to get out of at times like it's, it's funny I, I had the day off from work yesterday because I've got a lot of like I've got a lot of time in lieu basically from doing the pay-per-view live reactions and I've got my podcast on the side that I do about this uh, from a 90s TV show from the UK. I didn't have an episode of that to edit. So I didn't have my didn't have work and I didn't have that episode to edit. I had nothing to do. I did not know what to do with myself <laughs> with my wife about this. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm kind of bored. Like if I, if I haven't got my work and I try not to watch wrestling on my days off because I do it so much in my daytime, like in my job. So I'm like, oh man, 
I need a new hobby. Like I need something to do. You're like, what else is out there? <laughs> like, what? Read a book. I don't know. Go that's for what, a hike. That's what my wife said. She was like, read a book, man. And I was like, yeah, maybe. Like, what, like, book? Should I read a, a biography or something? <laughs> Uh, the anomaly CJ Warren uh, said, hello, WrestleTalk gangs. How's it going? Recently, me and my pal were discussing uh, the best female wrestlers in WWE based off in-ring work alone. While debating this, I brought up Charlotte Flair and my pal insisted she's rubbish. Can I get your thoughts on this? In your minds, is Charlotte one of the best wrestlers in WWE today based off in-ring work alone? Yes, she is. She's awesome. I have to I have to definitely agree with you and disagree with the friend who thinks that Charlotte Flair is rubbish. I get so triggered <laughs> online when people are like, yeah, I get it. We're seeing Charlotte Flair all the time. Yeah, I get it. People weren't happy that she won the Rumble, et cetera. I get it. I get all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, Charlotte Flair kicks ass. She goes out there. She's got her working shoes on every single night. And I mean, honestly, she set the bar she set a certain bar for all of her matches. And I don't even think people really realize that, that when she goes out there, like she never has bad matches. They're always good. And if, and when they need to be even better, they are. And that's the thing. And here's uh, the thing about Charlotte too, is that I'm not just like, aside from her in-ring work, even her promos like she gets to the point where she can really piss people off and that's obviously a talent because so many people try that you know so many people try to be the bad guy but they can't necessarily persuade the audience and charlotte flair does that so much so well that i think it's even carried over and bled over into like you know who she is or whatever um so because of that i gotta say that charlotte is pro i'm gonna say my favorite woman's wrestler right now i think she is and i mean we've said this many times on this show i think while she's not my favorite character in wwe at the moment like you cannot deny how good she is in ring like it's amazing her match with ripley at wrestlemania this year was the best match over wrestlemania weekend the triple threat at, at, at the nxt in your house show was the best match of that night like she brings it every single time i think she's so so good uh i don't like the way the company pushed her at times and i think they i i think it's a case of overexposure uh and i think that to wwe's detriments but yeah i when she's on form man and she's very rarely not on form and there's another thing that I do want to mention about Charlotte, too, is that in terms of when WWE goes out and they do these, you know, big crossover events, whether it be, you know, at the ESPN Humanitarian Awards or ESPYs or any of that sort of stuff or when they're promoting any of their programming, Charlotte is one of the people that they constantly have with them. And I got to say, after interviewing her several times, she has uh, this persona that makes the company look really well when they bring her out. And as you know, they want people out there like Roman Reigns, Becky Lynch, John Cena, that can make the company look really good. And I think that Charlotte Flair has done a tremendous job at that. Like I've been seeing her interviews with other people and she just knows what to say is spot on and comes across as genuinely likable. Yeah. So uh, she was over for the BT sports uh, announcements. They, when they moved to BT sport here in the UK, and they did a bus tour around London. 
And I think like, like everyone was really great on that. Like Seamus had it, you know, he had a really good day. So did Nikki Cross, but Charlotte Flair was so like, I was just there just like, kind of like half listening to the interviews that she was doing with other people. And she was just on form all day long. While I think, you know, some people got quite tired and cranky towards the end of the day. Charlotte, man, she was on it all the time. Yeah. Dylan from Cork. Good lad, Dylan. Hello, mate. Um, what is your favorite year as a wrestling fan? Mine would have to be 2016. This was probably the last year I loved what was going on with the main roster. It was the peak of my NXT fandom. New Japan was great. And it was the first year I started regularly going to independent shows around Ireland. I even went to an ICW show in Dublin on my 18th birthday and met Drew Galloway. Fun times. Yeah, what's your favorite year as a wrestling fan? So mine is 2005. And the reason for that is similar is because I went to the most events that year. And that's also when I started heavily going to indie wrestling as well here throughout Southern California. And when I was really introduced to it and because, you know, I grew up a WWE fan. That's how I grew up. And so when I started being, uh, when my uncle started showing me of the world of independent wrestling, it was a whole new world to me. <laughs> and that was when I sort of, you know, started going to PWG. I was going to all these random uh, Lucha shows, like some pretty low rent ones, but you know what? They were entertaining. Okay. Um, and so I would say 2005, that was also the year I went to my first WrestleMania. So that's always, you know, stuck in my head. And um, so, and it was also like during that time, time where I was just like eat sleep breathe wrestling and you know I mean I had already for like some like a few years back but I think that 2005 was just a culmination of all of it yeah, 2005 was the year I got back in um oh really did, yeah yeah I, I dropped out after 2002 um but and then really got heavily back into it in 2005 that was the year that pulled me back um but yeah, for me, my favorite year of wrestling is 2000. That whole 2000 period, I think from January to February, WWE just, it's an insanely good year. Every single pay-per-view is fantastic with some really underrated, like great matches of the Attitude Era. I think it is the best from end to end. It's the best year of wrestling that company has ever done. I think it is just, it's flawless. The week to week TV was great. And I was really, I'd say it was, aside from doing this as my job, was the height of my fandom i was 14 years old i was so into it i was just like i absolutely loved it. no sorry i was 15 in 2000 um i just loved it it's my favorite year of wrestling like if i do have some downtime if i'm trying to have something on while i'm editing that i will go and put on a 2000 era uh pay-per-view usually backlash nice uh, <laughs> Blaming live. Um, why does Vince never accept blame? When something goes wrong, he always blames someone else. Um, if he does something that's clearly his fault, he should be blamed. Not Bischoff, not Heyman, not Corbin, not the stars. No one but himself. I can seem to continue the network getting sick. I, I think this is kind of like what we were getting back to with that, that previous question. Um, I don't think the networks are ever going to get sick of, of Vince McMahon because they love him. Um, I was I talked to Brandon from WrestleNomics about this, and he said that the investors love Vince. Like, you know, they, when I asked him, I was like, do, do they buy into him sort of using Heyman as a scapegoat or Pritchard or uh, um, Bishop as a scapegoat or Michelle Barrios as, as a scapegoat and stuff? And he's like, no, because they like Vince. Like if Vince is there, they've got full, full confidence in the company. Um, and perhaps it's just sort of like a, a, a personal trait. It's just a, it's a businessman trait is to, uh, you find other people to, to put the blame onto things for maybe. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I necessarily, you know, I don't think that, 
you know, from my personal opinion, I don't think that if I'm a, in a leader position that I would place the blame on other people because I just think it's a better quality just to, you know, take that responsibility yourself. But with that, <laughs> yeah. But with that being said, I try to think not everyone is the same. So I try to think of it as, okay, Vince is a businessman. That's you know, that's what he is. You know, he's helped, he's grown this company tremendously throughout the years. So obviously that respect is already there for him, for him, the investor. So I, I think that if anything, it's like you said, it's a trait that a businessman would have, maybe not all of them, but I just can't, I don't, I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, just because if it works for him, then it just works. Right. But also, like, Vince is someone you're never going to understand. Like, I don't even think that anyone really knows what's going on inside Vince McMahon's head, not even the people that are closest to him. This is a man who has been running this company for 40 odd years or whatever it is, and has rarely taken a day off. You know, he's yeah. a man who he sleeps for four hours a day. Uh, if he's not if he's not working out, he's working on this company. He eats, sleeps and breathes this company. So I, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure I can give you a decent answer to that question of like, why doesn't he ever accept blame for, for things on that? Because, I mean, he, he's a man, a conversation can be ruined if you sneeze. Like if you can't. <laughs> I know. I remember when I heard that story, I was like, oh my God. I was like, that's horrible. Imagine you're first down the job, you sneeze, you're out, bro. You're out. <laughs> like if you can't find an answer for that, like there's no way you're going to be able to answer the other question. It's just so sad too. Like, <laughs> Are you the double sneezer? Like, if you sneeze once, you got to sneeze again? Oh, no? I'm, okay. I'm, oh, no, no, no. I'm worse than that. Like, oh, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm three or four. Like, if I'm going to sneeze, I get I get into a series of it. Like, I get it from my dad. My dad uh, sneezes, like, 11 times if he gets into a row of things. Right. So, yeah, I, there's no way I could work with Vince. <laughs> no, you're gone, buddy. Like, you're gone. Uh, Chuck Turner said, Hey, you Wrestle Talk family, do you know there are eight wrestlers who've won World Heavyweight Championships, be it the NWA TNA Championship, WCW, uh, WWF Championship, uh, World Undisputed, blah, 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 in three different decades? The Rock's done it, Triple H has done it, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Kane, Goldberg, Sting, and Lou Thez, with Kane winning three different titles in three different decades, and Goldberg winning th uh, titles in four different decades. My question is, do you think anyone will join that list? And if so, can anyone match Goldberg? Thank you and be safe. Dude, try to match. Okay, so make it on the list probably, I think, eventually. I know it's it probably would be too early to say. But in terms of, like, matching up to Goldberg, I mean, you just got to understand, like, it was just a different time that uh, so many viewers, so much, like, wrestling was seen just a little bit differently then. Uh, I don't know if anybody could essentially like match up to the popularity of that, but I think it is possible. Yeah, like so. Yeah, so Goldberg won it in the the nineties, the two thousands, the twenty tens, and then yeah, now. I mean, that's crazy. Four different decades to be champion. So Cena has had two decades. I think he could definitely get it in this era as well. Whether he could win the title again for a fourth decade, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, there's certainly no one else on that list like Rock, Triple H, Hogan, Flair, Kane. They're not winning a title this year uh, or in this decade. So, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I, if you could find a character that has sort of... John Cena's the only one I could think of that could be right. long-standing enough that he could come back in 10 years' time and WWE, like, he'll pop a rating. They'll be like, 
Let's put the belt on him. Let's put the belt on John Cena. And you know, that'll... Where he's at Hollywood wise. Well, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I think John Cena's probably the only one I could think of that might be able to win it across four different decades. Um, Irakli says, do you think we'll ever see AEW or NXT spoil results of the other shows? I don't think so. I think we're, we're past that period of, of time now. And like WCW didn't do it as often as a lot of people kind of think that they did. I don't think we're going to get that now. No, I think because it's it's kind of like tasteful tactic. <laughs> and I just think that nowadays things are so different. Can you imagine the backlash that WWE would get if they did that to AEW? Oh, yeah. Can you imagine that? Like that would be just too insane. <laughs> and so I think that nowadays because we're more in a let's be nice to each other period that <laughs> I just don't see it happening. Uh, Ashley uh, says, uh, my boss has just told me our working from home setup is going to be another 12 months minimum, meaning I've got a lot of free time on my hands. I was thinking of doing a long-term pay-per-view watch-along project. I've narrowed it down to either every ECW pay-per-view or WCW pay-per-view, starting with the NWO, as I didn't grow up watching either of those. Any recommendations? Welcome. What do you think? Well, I've laid it out. 2000, start to end. You could do that. That's a great year. The Attitude Era from start to end would be a lot of fun as well. I think she could definitely do the WCW one, I think would be really fun, but I won't be surprised if she ends up doing both. Mm-hmm. Um, Manraj uh, says, after watching FTR in AEW, they somehow seem cooler than they already were being portrayed uh, when they're in NXT. Um, Sasha Banks has been on every program recently. I noticed she may be the best in-ring worker of the four horsewomen. I do believe the rest are all great, but I think she makes it look effortless. Just curious on what your thoughts are on this. Actually, yeah, I'm going to take some umbrage with what you said earlier, Denise, when you said that Charlotte's the best. Sasha was the best worker of the four horsewomen and always was. I'm going to have to fight you. I still stick with Charlotte. I'm sorry. I love Sasha. I really do. But I, I, I just prefer Charlotte a little bit more. Oh, we're going to come to blows over this. Uh, I know. I'm sorry. But I just, I'm a big fan of what Charlotte has done. And I think the fact that she, does, that she doesn't always get the love from people, I think has driven me even more to be like, you know what? I need to nail this, 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 this nail down with, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. The point is, go Charlotte. Uh, Dwayne the Gronk Johnson. Um, hi guys, I was wondering if you've ever watched Ms. Uh, Mrs. Reality show Ms. and Mrs. Unlike Turtle Bellas, it's actually quite good. Uh, at times, it feels like a sitcom rather than a reality show. Ms. Dad uh, and Maurice's mum are the highlights. One of my favorite moments is when Ms. Ziegler and one of their friends take Mrs. Daughter to a music class when they're all hungover. If you haven't seen it, definitely give it a watch. Uh, you'll have a great time. I personally have not. Uh, I I've never watched our reality TV show. Uh, in my life it's not my cup of tea of, of, of tv watching uh denise are you a fan of ms and mrs all right now i know because i'm a female people think that i'm all about reality tv but i don't like reality tv to be honest unless it's competition based i really don't like it um i have seen a few episodes of toto divas and uh and, and the bella twins i have seen a few of those i have not seen ms and mrs but i have heard good things about all of those shows in terms of like the things that they have on there. And it's funny because when I tell people that I'm a wrestling fan uh, from like different workplaces, 
the one thing they say, oh yeah, I know the Bella twins. And that's who they know. Why? Because they watch these reality shows. They don't know anybody else or anything. But so I'm like, okay, well, it's working in terms of getting people that don't watch wrestling at all. But I think for the most part, a lot of people that do don't always watch the actual reality shows. And that's me. Um, although I do want to see Cannonball though with the Miz looks really good. I know I'm just into all of that. Like, you know, you put your body in the line and you do all these wild stuff. I'm really into that. So yeah, it's funny you should say that as well. Like my, uh, an old boss of mine, she was not a wrestling fan, but me and my buddy went to a WWE show and we said, we're going to a WWE show. And she was like, can you get me a Brie Bella t-shirt? Like, <laughs> yeah, if you want, she really wanted a Brie mode t-shirt because she absolutely loves total exactly. divas and total bellas but she just has zero interest in wrestling itself i know uh, like my mom i remember she didn't know who ronda rousey was but she knew who nikki was and i was like <laughs> okay that's really weird but i i see where i see based on her what she watches i see how that can be a thing but i was astonished she didn't know anybody but she knew nikki <laughs> uh so reality-based competitions what's your favorite competition reality show i like the voice I, oh, I was yeah. devoted to that for a couple of seasons and I covered a co like several seasons. So I was very into it for a while. <laughs> then I got burned out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, over here, because we got the voice over here a few years back, but like me and my, my wife, we've watched it initially, but then we just like, this is never creating anyone. Like the people yeah, win yeah. and then you never hear from them again. So I'm like, that's no point in me watching this show. There's like one person, I think, and I don't even remember if she won or not, but I think it was Cassidy Pope, and that was like literally it. <laughs> um, Jobba JJ uh, says, uh, hello, Swap Nation and the incredible WrestleTalk crew. Uh, my question is the situation with Impact around their world championships. Now that Tessa um, is gone, Moose is the TNA world champion. What do you think is going to happen? Well, they're crowning a new world champion at Slammiversary um, in the, the four-way, which I think is going to be, I think EC3 is going to end up being the, the mystery person in that match. Um, and yeah, you'll just build to, rather than instead of building to Moose and Tessa, which is what I think they were going to do, you just build to Moose and EC3 or whoever wins that belt. But I still think they're going to go with that champ v champ mentality that they, or plan that they had originally. You know, first of all, I just want to say that if EC3 is the mystery opponent, dang, good for him because he has so much character. He could do so, so much. Uh, I think that that would be a good call. And, um, but in terms of, it's crazy because I don't think that, you know, they, there was this grand moment, even the moment when Tessa was crowned champion, it was kind of overshadowed by a lot of the stuff that was being talked about her in the news. So that moment was sort of overshadowed. And then after that, it just kind of felt like, I don't know, like, I, I feel like there wasn't almost like a concrete plan there. It kind of feels like I won't be surprised if she would have had that belt for a lot longer had she stayed with the company. Um, I just feel that impact is that company, though, that no matter what, they always find some way to make it work. <laughs> now i'm curious too i'm like are they are they are they gonna get that belt back from testa though Do i don't know, know if they have already but i just I, don't expect yeah. it no. come on think about it she would have to go out of her way to ship that belt i mean come on nobody likes to ship anything I, they're never getting that belt back. Uh, Camcross03 uh, said, with this episode being posted on July 3rd, it's my birthday. Happy birthday. Oh, um, as my first mailbag to you guys, what is your favorite birthday gift or memory you have? Thanks for staying consistent for the last five years I've been watching. Have a great rest of your day. Jam that jam. Yeah, what's your the best birthday gift you've ever had? 
You mean like wrestling wise or not wrestling? Just, just, no, just, no, just your best birthday gift or your favorite birthday memory. Oh, 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 okay. Okay. Well, my birth, my favorite birthday memory was actually a miracle. So this was, uh, cause I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. So when I went to the reputation stadium tour, um, on the day of my birthday, May 18, I had bought my tickets, right? And I got there to the Pasadena, to the Rose Bowl. So we, I thought my tickets were really good. And then I got there, and there was this big old thing blocking us. Uh. And I was so depressed because I spent so much money on those tickets. And then turns out that they didn't even sit people in that section. But they sold me seats in that section. So I was pissed. But prior to that, my sister and I had entered a Kiss FM contest. Basically, you take a picture, you post the hashtag, you upload it, you upload the picture with the hashtag on Instagram. And the winners were to get pit tickets. So you would go to the very, very front. And so on my birthday, right 20 minutes before the opening act came out, I got a DM from Kiss FM and said, you need to be here before 7pm. Get your two tickets. You're gonna go pit. You're gonna go to the pit. And I was like, <gasps> so me and my sister like hauled ass. Like we ran like in big ass platforms. We ran outside and get this. We had to go outside of the Rose Bowl. So I got to the security and I was like, guys, we have to go out. And they're like, but you know you can't come in. And I was like, what? They're like, we already scanned your ticket. You can't come back in afterwards. And I was like, look at this DM. We won with Kiss FM. So eventually, I convinced the person to let me out. And I was so scared because I was like, if something goes wrong, I I can't get back in. So I got there. They gave us the tickets. We're out of breath. And I ended up experiencing May 18 Reputation Stadium Tour at the very, very, very front. I couldn't get any closer than that. It was amazing. Um, amazing. That's okay. I mean, I can't top that, to be honest. I don't think <laughs> yeah. I think it's quite cool. Uh, I had a Stranger Things party last year. That was a lot of fun. Oh, that's uh, pretty cool. Who would you dress up as? Uh, so I dressed up as, um, oh man, I've actually forgotten the, the character's name now, but it's the one that Mikey Eleven. from the Goonies plays. No, uh, the, so the... The was, uh, what was Mikey from the Goonies? I only watched season one, so he Goonies. I can't remember his actor's name now. Sean Astin or Sean Astin. Sean Astin. I kind of fell off the wagon with Stranger Things. So. Stranger Things. Da, 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 da. Oh, come on, just tell me his character's name. <laughs> anyway, Sean Astin's character. I, I dressed up as him, dressed up as Dracula. Um, oh, Bobby. Cool. Bobby oh, okay, New Bob okay. Newby. Yes, of course. Okay. Um, yeah, so I dressed up as him. Uh, my wife dressed up as Bob, but after she'd been oh, uh, killed off. Um, yeah, so... a lot of people were very upset. They were like, we want Barb back. Barb deserved better, let's be honest. Um, Marcus Campbell said, with WWE giving Backlash uh, the tagline of the greatest wrestling match ever and Extreme Rules giving the tagline of the horror show, will every WWE get a pay-per-view tagline going forwards? I can see them doing that. They love branding. They love doing that sort of branding. Why not? I think, okay, so Sean Ross Sapp actually told us the reason as to why they chose the greatest wrestling match ever. And he said that it was because of SEO, search search engine of the optimization. And basically what they wanted is for when people laid down the line to search greatest wrestling match ever, that would, would be, be what, that's what would pop up. And I was like, what? That's pretty <laughs> smart, honestly. Like, own it. Because, you know, download line people are going to search that i'm sure people have searched that in the past millions of times so i actually thought it was pretty interesting now in terms of the, some of the other taglines i don't know but i think it'd be pretty cool to sort of keep it that way yeah i think like they they do love a branding as sort of like a theme around the show oh sorry i just thought of another birthday thing um it, <laughs> my uh so my birthday 1992 um i'm gonna guess is i'm gonna 
I think it was 1992, which means I would have been, it would have been my seventh birthday. I got a 3D Game Boy cake. It was a giant Game Boy with Mario popping out of the screen. And it was the coolest wow. thing. And, you know, you light the candles and everything. My, my parents said to me, I was like, make a wish when you light the candles. And my wish was, I, I wish that Mario was real. And the following year, the Super Mario Brothers movie came out. So oh, I genuinely wow. believed that my wish had brought that film what into reality. What month is your birthday in? December. December. I was just a couple months old. <laughs> 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 I was rooting for you, though. Thanks, man. Um, Abraham says, hey, Luke and Denise. Hope you guys are doing great. Quizzlemania was really fun this week. Um, who do you guys think is Bray uh, or Braun's next challenger after their feud is over at Extreme Rules or whenever it ends? I think the next contender should be Daniel Bryan. Um, I mean, I think the, the Bray Braun thing is going to continue on into SummerSlam because we need to get the payoff of Braun versus Fiend, right? Like, I think you do Braun versus old school Bray to extend this feud out even longer. Um, so we get to the Fiend at SummerSlam one year after the Fiend's debut. So, but as for next challenger, I don't think we need to do Daniel Bryan Fiend again. Like, you know, I think we've already kind of, we've gone down that route. Right. I was thinking originally, I was thinking Seamus. I feel like we haven't got it. I feel Seamus is, I'm a big fan of Seamus. I feel like we could do so much more. That Jeff Hardy storyline was, isn't going all the way. Um, I would like to see him in that title picture. Hmm. Uh, I mean, actually, funny enough, Callum has said, you know, a very similar question. Hey, Luke and Denise, my question is to do with The Fiend. Do you think they'll just stick to the cinematic matches when fans are back in the arenas? Or do you think he's not going to do any in-ring matches so his entrance feels special? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that cinematic matches may end up, will probably come to an end once fans are back in the arena, because as we saw with the House of Horrors, if you ask a paying audience to watch a TV screen for 20 minutes, they don't take to it kindly. Uh, it works now because there's no fans there, but I think yeah, they'll probably they'll go back to those fiend matches that we were getting previously. Yeah, with the cinematic matches, you run the risk of overdoing it too much and losing interest. So I prefer for them to be rare and creative instead of constant and mediocre. Uh, yeah, very well put. Um, yeah, I <laughs> uh, also like on the. You know, who could face next year? I'd actually really like to see um, Braun Jeff Hardy. I think Jeff Hardy going on sort of one last run for the main title, I think it would be really, really cool. As because I mean, I don't want to uh, piss on your Seamus parade, but he did, he told me when I interviewed him for the BT Sport thing that he's got zero interest in going for the Universal title. Oh, did he really? Oh, yeah. Darn. Yeah, he, he his title wants to win the IC belt because it's the one title he's never won. So uh, he wants to add that to his collection. So, yeah. Maybe things might change. Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, a couple more questions we've got here. First one from uh, David Sidney, who says, uh, I feel like I've missed out on something, guys, so please help me out. Um, I watch every single Rest Talk video and parts fun known video, apart from Quizzlemania, because uh, I don't have the time. And you keep saying jam that jam. I want to know where it started. Can someone explain? Because it's annoying. And maybe even show a video or podcast it originated from. Thank you. Well, I can show you the picture it originated from. Bang! It originates from this. It's from Quizzlemania. It's a Hulk Hogan tattoo that says, I am that I am. But it looks like jam that jam. And it's just become <laughs> a running joke for us. And it still makes me laugh. Um Okay, and our last question comes from RLT Sandwich, who says, I've got a question for Denise about representation. I'm a 25-year-old black male living in the United States, and last year, watching Kofi Kingston win the WWE Championship at WrestleMania taught me a lot about how important representation is. 
being able to see someone like you achieve those levels of success be taken seriously matters so much more than I ever thought, especially to young children. In regards to WWE, what's it like for you to watch the Give Divas a Chance and Women's Revolution Evolution, about time we take women's wrestling seriously, movements? Uh, thank you all. I hope all is well. Well, first of all, that's a beautiful question. Um, so in terms of representation, I almost thought he was going to go the other route and st instead and talk about like Latinos and, you know, Latino representation and all of that. So I'll kind of address both. So first of all, I think that I'm really happy that we're seeing more Latinos, uh, you know, in these main storylines. You know, we've been seeing Angel Garza, Andrade, Santos Escobar and so on. Um, so I'm really happy that we're getting that. And obviously, you know, Lucha Libre within, it's within itself is I mean, it's it's. I don't even have a word to describe the impact that it's had, you know, not just in Mexico, but throughout the entire world. So because of that, I'm really happy to see that that aspect of that with it itself. But to answer his question in terms of the women, I just think that it, it had to happen eventually. You know, I just can't see now with the times if we were still going back and doing you know, like people mentioned, bra and panties matches, you know, it just wasn't going to work like that anymore. And I'm really, really happy that we're not only just seeing, we're not, this is the thing, women are not just getting spots right now in WWE because they're women. That's not the case. I mean, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, Ronda Rousey, perfect example at WrestleMania. They were the hottest angle it didn't it, it wasn't because they were women it wasn't because they were men it was because they were the best ones they were with the best storylines they were selling the best etc and they got that moment to be the wrestlemania main event and that makes me so happy because they didn't get that spot just because they were women they got that spot because they worked their asses off to get that spot and so i think seeing that and even last night was a perfect example you know we're talking about this ratings war and NXT had a had a women's match opening the show and main eventing the show. So that should tell you that they're putting a lot of, you know, not even putting a lot of eggs in their basket. I can't even say that. That should just tell you that they're really going out there and they're really killing it. And it's funny because I listen to a lot of wrestling podcasts, you know, when people call in and all of that stuff. And I would say that a lot of the calls are always focused on the women. A lot of people are always have questions about the women's storylines, women wrestlers, etc. So I just think that that goes to show that the women are doing their job in terms of really going out there and saying, yeah, we're more than a bathroom break. Like we are, we are a five-star match capable, etc. whatever. We're main event capable, you name it. It's what frustrates me so much about AEW. Like I love AEW and I love the, the the product that they put out, but man, their women's division just does not get the the time it deserves. Uh, and it's so frustrating because like, you know, we were just talking about, uh, we were talking about fighter first earlier in the show that cheetah Ford match for my money was the best match on that card. I thought it was so, so great, but the, the women never seem to get enough time on that show. It, it feels so counterproductive in, in 2020 when it's, it should be getting way more time. Like I find it so, so frustrating. 
Yeah, and it's funny because that was one of the big issues that I saw in terms of indie wrestling where, you know, so many so many of the matches, the cards were all men. Like, as a ring announcer, I'm 99% of the time, I'm the only female there. There's no other females other than myself. And that's because they don't always put a lot of women's women's matches on the card because, A, they don't have enough women or they, I, I don't, they're not interested. I don't know. But that's the issue where I think, like, we need to have more women's matches so that more young women that are aspiring wrestlers can have the opportunity to get out in front of a crowd and you know really really showcase themselves because you know that the only way for anybody to get better in wrestling is by practicing 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 having match after match after match and i still think that in terms of independent wrestling we need to have more women's matches and more opportunities because there aren't enough you either get one spot there's either there's only max maybe two four spots on the card and so with that being said like i think there's still a lot more work to go but i think right now with what we're seeing with wwe with what they're doing i think that it's maybe shining a light on other companies like hey look at what we're doing you guys should be doing it too So um, I want to use the sort of outro portion of this podcast to get to know our guest a little bit better, uh, Denise. So first question, the obvious question, what got you into wrestling? Okay, so I have a really cool video, by the way, that people can watch on my YouTube channel, but it's more of a storyline purposes, but I'll give you the short rundown of that. So I actually started watching wrestling at a very young age. I think I was like eight years old or so, and I'm 28 now, so it's been a very long time. (laughs) So the reason why I started watching is because my uncle, he was a teenage boy, really into the Attitude Era, really into wrestling, you know. Uh, He got his first job, and back in the day, we didn't have DVR to be recording or anything like that you had to record everything via vhs and all of that stuff so my uncle got his first job he could no longer stay home and watch raw so he needed someone to record the shows for him so he actually trained me to learn how to record and so i would be there i kid you not i would be there like right at the dot i would do my little job put the vhs in press record and i have nothing else to do so i would sit there and i'd be like what's this stuff my uncle's always watching and so I would stop and press record in between the commercials. So obviously I was there watching the product and that's how I became a fan. Like I just started watching it. And then I remember one day my uncle was like bragging that he was going to go to a UPW show. And I was like, Hey, can I go with you? And he was like, sure. Ask your mom. And my mom said, yes. So I was like, okay, great. I'm going. So I went and at this point I already knew a lot of the wrestlers. And I remember I saw Edge and Christian there. I saw Molly Holly that day. So it was a pretty cool uh, thing. And then from then on, I just kind of kept going. He kept taking me to shows, kept showing me his VHSs, and it just developed from there. Uh, who were the people that you like gravitated towards early so doors? Cold and Chris Jericho, and then afterwards, uh, Triple H. Oh, man. Good good lineup. <laughs> yeah. It's a good, solid lineup. Um, so you're from LA, right? Yes. And you said that you've gone to a lot of the independent wrestling scene around there. Like, what's it like being a, a wrestling fan in LA? Because, I mean, you get a lot of shows sort of WWE wise, but like there's also a lot of, you know, I mean, the Young Bucks, uh, you know, they're Cali kids um, sort of, you know, all around that area. Yeah. So that's the cool thing about being in LA is that, I, you know, I was going to PWG for, you know, like I said, early, like 2005 was when I started going. And I remember I've, I'd seen Kevin Steen, uh, uh, Brian Danielson, and then I saw, you know, so many people, uh, the Young Bucks, uh, everybody that 
now has gone on to make a name for themselves. So sort of knowing that I got the opportunity to see them at that early start of their career was really cool. And that's sort of when I got obsessed with following people's careers, like where they went to where they are now. So that's actually one of the things I really like to study. Like I love to know how a guy went from here to here to there. And um, but it's really cool. So here, you know, prior, obviously, to COVID and everything else that has gone down, uh, you know, we had PCW Ultra, which, by the way, is one of the coolest promotions out there because they attract a lot of casual wrestling fans and a lot of families, which is very rare. And they sell the tickets at a good price. So that's why they attract those people. And they bring in a mixture of um, a mixture of type of different wrestlers. Like that's where I got to see uh, Angel Garza, Garza Jr. for the first time there, um, which was really cool. And then uh, PWG, which obviously has just become like legendary, not just here, but in wrestling in general for all of the amazing matches that they put on. Uh, bar wrestling was also got really, really hot here. And then the thing about, you know, Los Angeles is that there's also a lot of uh, lucha shows. Like there's one, like a few buildings that just run lucha shows every single uh, weekend for multiple days. So you can really go out there, you know, spend a couple dollars, spend like a few bucks here and there and just watch some wrestling. And it's pretty, pretty fun. So there's obviously a lot of options uh, down here. And I don't get to go to all the shows because let's face it, like it just gets too expensive. And then we even have Suburban Fight as well, which I work for. And they do, you know, no ring, no rules. And then they also do collaborations with GCW, which I've been seeing some of the craziest things. I mean, we do shows at bars. I mean, it just gets wild. So there's a lot to choose from. Uh, You're a pop culture uh, nerd as well, not just in wrestling. Um, So what shows are you watching outside of the, the wrestling world? So I love, like, I have subscriptions to everything. I'm on Netflix. I'm on Hulu. I'm on Amazon, HBO, uh, Stars. You name it, I'm on it. So I try to watch almost every single new show that pops in. I'm very into, I'm very into, like, you know, teenage, uh, those teenage shows, like 13 Reasons Why, which has gone down the drain, so they're probably not a good example. Um, but so I try to watch a lot of different shows. You know, there was Normal People that just came out on Hulu, which I thought was amazing. Um, uh, oh my god, there's so many. I'm like blanking out. Uh, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. I mean, I could really go on and on, but the point is that I love to watch like several different types of shows and I like to do recaps on them on the channel but then I'm also like really into like a pop music so I'm very into like the pop queens of the pop world you know like Taylor Swift, Selena Gomez, Demi Lovato so I talk about all of that within this umbrella and I know it sounds weird but there's actually a lot of people that are like you know what Denise like this is cool like I'm both the Swifty and and a wrestling fan so it kind of works. My uh, my wife's watched uh, Normal People. I, I didn't actually get a chance to, to see it in the end. But I, I've, I've heard it's very good. My favorite review I've heard of it, though, was from a, as a radio DJ over here. So that I had to stop watching it because it's too good. And With normal people? Yeah. It's like, I, it's, wow. it's, it's too good. And it just made me sad that I will never make anything this good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was really good. I felt like I went on and I felt like I lived a whole lifetime after that. <laughs> and it was only like 10 episodes i watched it all in one day but that one day i had a whole life <laughs> um what's your favorite show to binge uh oh i have a few so right now i'm watching the brady bunch i'm really into reruns old reruns i love the brady bunch i love i love lucy those are my go-tos um more mo- not modern but kind of modern uh 
No, this would not be modern at all. Friends, How I Met Your Mother, Sex in the City. So I think I binge watch more of the older shows. Like I, those are the ones that I can see over and over again. Uh, a lot of the new shows, I see them once and I'm done. But it's, those are yeah. the shows I can rewatch. It's nice to hear an American said they watch a lot of Friends because I, I think we've found over the years that uh, our American viewers, which is predominantly what we have, find it so bizarre that Ollie and I talk about Friends quite a lot. And Friends is because here in the UK, it's on every single day wow. and and not just every single day, multiple times throughout the day. Comedy Central here shows 20 episodes a day, maybe wow that's it's so crazy how popular it is it's not like and it's show ended like 15 years ago it's still yeah, on all i like it and i really really like it like even now like i still laugh at the same jokes yeah, although me and my my wife and i were doing some housework the other day and we were like oh we'll just throw comedy central on uh, we'll, we'll watch some friends while we're doing this there was an episode on that i've never seen before and i Which turned to my one? wife it was an epi- it was a later season episode where um Chandler and Monica need more need some money, so they ask Joey for loans. Big independ- job one. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. And, and so Joey presents us for a boob job. And I said, well, I was like, I've never seen this episode. And she was like, There's no way you have never seen this episode. You probably just forgot. <laughs> That's what I think it is. I think I've seen so many episodes of that show, and so many I've seen 20 times over that I've just forgotten some episodes. <laughs> My favorite episode is the one where it's actually the most dramatic one. I think it's the one where after Ross cheats on Rachel and he, they have that confrontation in the living room and it's just them fighting and he's like begging her. I was like, Oh my God, this is so sad. <laughs> oh, you mean, uh, the we are on a break episode or the one where the, Oh no. Oh yeah. I it's which the one where you're... he's like begging her like for yes. forgiveness for cheating on her with the copy girl. The copy girl yeah. It's not, yeah. it's not, it's not the, uh, after the beach house one. Um, mine is uh is the quiz show it's when they have the quiz to who's gonna win the apartment in... oh yeah, yeah and they gamble the apartments <laughs> that one's good that one's good oh, so great what does uh, chandler do <laughs> <laughs> chanandala bong yeah. um right well i think we're gonna get out of here i'm gonna let you get on with the rest of the day what is on uh, the plan for the rest of the day what's the agenda for denise honestly i need to brainstorm new youtube videos so that's sort of my uh day i need to get back on the horse because i fell off the last like four days so i need to get back on there and re re return the brainstorming wheels on absolutely well good luck with that Thank you. um as a reminder for those people who didn't hear it on the show where can people find you Twitter and Instagram at underscore Denise Salcedo. I'm always tweeting during the wrestling shows and random times as well. And YouTube.com slash Denise Salcedo. That's the place to go. That's where that's my baby. So YouTube.com slash Denise Salcedo. Let's get ahead of that 50K mark by the end of the year. Thank you so much, Denise, for taking the time out to be on this podcast. It was really a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Uh, well, we've got uh, another podcast out tomorrow. Uh, Pete and Andy will be doing the SmackDown review, and then Ollie and I will be back for the Raw review the following week. All the usual good stuff. Until then, have a good weekend. Take care. I love you. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.